And Palm Sunday is the weekend that Jesus came into town riding on a donkey. And as he came into town to fulfill this prophetic utterance that this would happen, he was visiting God's people. People began to take palm branches and wave them in the air, wave them like they really do care. They began to declare that that he was the king. They said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when he gets close to Jerusalem, he looks up and he sees Jerusalem. And the Bible says he's filled with sadness and sorrow. And here's why. I want to read it together. Here's why Jesus was sad. And this is what he declared. All of you joining me online, why don't you say it with me? It's found in Luke 19, 44. Here's why Jesus was sad on Palm Sunday. You ready? Here we go. Let's say it. You did not recognize it when God visited you. Here's what he said. You missed your visitation. I believe God wants to bring a visitation into this church, into your home, into your family this Easter season. And this is the weekend we celebrate it. So we're going to learn some things today so we don't miss out on what God has for us. Amen? Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We don't want to miss the visitation you have for us. So open our hearts to hear and receive. We welcome you. Say that with me. Say, we welcome you. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you, Chris. You know, I remember when my um, youngest son, Hudson, who some of you have asked me how he's doing. He's doing fantastic and so excited what God's doing in his life. But I remember when he was younger and uh, he played on a team uh, on a soccer league. How many know that some kids, they're not as much into sports as their parents are? Right? Have you ever seen parents that are kind of living out their life through their children? Okay. So, so what happened was, is he, he, I, I could tell that this was a little bit of, um, you know, the way Hudson felt because when we'd call a timeout and he'd run in from the field, you know, you're sitting there and you're watching the kids and they're all kind of clumped together and every once in a while a soccer ball will pop out, right? And they'd call a timeout and he would run over and when he would run over, it wouldn't be like, dad, we're ahead two to one or dad, um, you know, it would be like, dad, I found four roly polies. Every single time out, I got the update. We're up to five, roller police, Dad. And I could tell that that wasn't really his thing. He wasn't really into it too much. But one of the objectives for the year, for the family, for him, was like, we hope we want you to score a goal. Come on, Hudson, this year you're going to score a goal. And so I'll never forget, I was at the game, and we were at this game, and of course they were going back and forth and whatever. And so I, I'm sitting there on the lawn chair, and there's a man next to me who has another child on the, the team, and he's on the lawn chair, and he, he kind of grabs my attention and starts telling me something. I'm, yeah, I'm like, what? And we, we start this conversation, suddenly I hear, woo, and everyone starts cheering, and I look across the field, and my son Hudson is jumping up and down. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, Hudson scored a goal. And I missed it. Come on, how many of you ever missed those, those important moments? And you know what? I think that's what maybe Palm Sunday is all about. Is that Jesus is saying is, I don't want you to miss it. In fact, he was sorrowful. He was sad. He wept because they missed his visitation. So what I want to do is I want to share with you a couple reasons why from this story. Normally when we tell this story, we focus on the palm branches and the singing Hosanna. But I want to show you the rest of the story, the other part of the story that usually we don't talk about. Because in there are, first of all, two reasons why we can miss his visitation. And we're going to learn some powerful truths today that I think will bless us no matter where you are. In fact, God changed this message on me. I'd already had it. It was pretty, pretty complete. And then Thursday when I went back and started studying, he shifted everything around. And I believe God wants to say something to somebody today. So I want to give you the first reason 
why we'll miss a visitation. You ready? Write this down. We miss his visitation with our questions. We miss his visitation with our questions. Somebody say, well, where do you get that? Well, let's go to the story. Remember, Jesus is getting ready to go into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, so here's what he tells his disciples. Go into the village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying the the colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying it, The owner asked him, why are you untying that colt? And the disciple simply replied, the Lord needs it. And watch what happens. So they brought the colt to Jesus. It worked. It's interesting because when I read through this part of the story, here's what really hit me. And that was this, is that Jesus knew they would have questions. So he answered the question before they even asked. And what I find interesting is there's a lot of people like you and me. How many know that if you have kids, your kids are inquisitive and ask lots of questions? Come on, the most favorite one of all of us, if you're a parent, is why? Come on, you know when they say it, they can't say it normal. I brought this up before. It's like when they they say it, it's like this demonic voice comes out. And there's like veins that stick out in their neck. Why? It's interesting because we all do that. We're all big kids. Because... Suddenly, we go into a situation, and it's different than we thought it would be. It's unexpected. It's not what we had planned. And so the first thing we start doing is, well, wait a minute, God, why did I lose my job? God, why did I have to go through that divorce? God, why is it that, that I'm sick and I have cancer? Or we say things like, why is it, God, that I have to tithe? I didn't expect that when I accepted Jesus. Why is it that, that now you're wanting me to forgive that person that did something wrong to me? And so what happens is we all become people who start asking questions. We become big kids. And here's the premise behind all of our questions that I think we want to address this morning on Palm Sunday, and it's this. The real premise is we ask the questions because we think, God, I don't understand why you're doing things this way. I don't understand why you're doing it like this. Why have I taken this path? Why am I facing that obstacle? God, do you you even know what you're doing? It's interesting because in this story, when I did a little research, you know, I discovered two trains of thought among scholars. One is that Jesus, he had prearranged all of this with the owner of the cult. That's one thought. The other thought was, is that Jesus supernaturally knew the cult was there and he knew what would happen when they asked for the cult because the disciples were known, Jesus was known, and when the Lord needs it, he would release it. So the interesting thing is it was either a supernatural thing that Jesus did or it was something that he had prearranged. But here's the thing for me. To me, it doesn't really matter because either way, here's the big idea is that the whole time God had a plan. In the midst of the questions, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of things not going the way you thought it would be, the whole time God had a plan. In fact, there was an intention behind the plan because the Bible says that when the Messiah came into town, he couldn't just come into town. I'm sure the disciples were like, well, Jesus, why do we have to go over there? We're wasting time. Come on, let's just go in. Why don't you, we'll hold you on our shoulders if we have to. No, he had a plan. And the plan was, is that the King of Kings, the Messiah was to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey that had never been ridden before. In other words, God has a plan. 
You see, the reality is that God is the alpha and the omega, which means he's the beginning and he's the end. The problem with you and I is that we see from the beginning to the present. But when God sees, he sees from the end all the way back to the beginning. And when he's developing his purpose for your life, he said, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of a hope, thoughts of a future. When he's planning your life, he doesn't plan from the beginning to the present. He plans from the ending, from the plan at the end, all the way to the beginning. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 55 verse 9, he says this, he says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Let me read that again with a little bit since this is Easter's and um, Nacho Libre would say it this way, my ways are higher than your ways. Come on, how many know I'm talking about it? God's ways are higher than our ways. Why? Because he sees the end to the beginning. See, when you think about it, I'll give an example. Remember the story of Joseph. Joseph, God knew the ending was that he was going to be in Pharaoh's palace. Leading the nation. Now, what we see is we see the beginning to the present. So we see, okay, I got my coat. And oh, now, how did I get up in a pit? This is not, God, what I thought I was supposed to be. Why am I in a pit? God, why are you doing this? Why have I gone through this trial? Why have I faced this situation? Why am I sick? Why have we gone through this horrible financial problem? But what God sees is he has a plan. When God makes a plan, here's what he thinks. So wait, let's go back to the end here. The end is, is that... Joseph needs to be in the palace of Pharaoh, but here's the thing. In order to get Joseph into the the, the palace of Pharaoh, he has to be in the prison of Pharaoh. Because in the prison of Pharaoh, he, he has a butler and a baker that he needs to interpret their dreams so that he can then go into the palace of Pharaoh and interpret his dream. So I need to get him into the palace, but first he needs to go into the prison of Pharaoh. But by the way, he can't get into the prison of Pharaoh until he first is in the house of Potiphar because Potiphar runs the prison. So I need to put him in the house of Potiphar so that he can then be falsely accused. And by the way, he needs to be in Potiphar's house because Potiphar's wife has a thing for young, handsome Jewish guys. So I need to get him into Potiphar's house so that he can be accused, so they can get into the prison of Pharaoh, so they can get into the palace of Pharaoh. So by the way, I can't get him into the house of Potiphar until I first get him in a pit because you see, there's this caravan coming from Canaan all the way to Egypt. And so if there's not a pit there, then he's not going to make it and be sold into the slavery so that he can end up in Pharaoh or in Potiphar's house. So I need to get him in a pit. But here's the thing. I can't get him into a pit if he's not, you know, upset, if his brother don't hate him and aren't jealous of him. So I need to go all the way back to his mom and have her make him a coat so that she can make him a coat so that when she makes him a coat, they can throw him into a pit and they can put him in Potiphar's house so that he can end up in the prison so that he can be in the palace because God has a plan for your life. Amen. Preach it, Pastor Jerry. But what we do is why? And could it be that it's our questions that end up being the thing that cause us to miss his visitation? Because we don't realize the whole time that he's in the pit with us and that he's in Potiphar's house with us and that he has a plan 
But instead, we can't see him anymore. We don't feel him anymore. We run away from his calling. We run away from his purpose. We never experience his visitation. Why? Because we missed his visitation with all of our questions because we've forgotten that God sees from the end to the beginning. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. It's hitting home for some of you. I know it hit home for me this week. I'll tell you, this week a, a miracle happened for us. And as I looked at the situation, I realized that God sees from the end to the beginning. And that God has a plan. It made me think of many years ago, gosh, probably close to 20 years ago, I was in a church in Modesto. I've shared this before, but I never saw it in this light. And I felt like God had opened the door for me to go to Phoenix and become the, the worship pastor for a man named Tommy Barnett at Phoenix First Assembly. It was a large church there. I felt like that was God's plan for me. And then suddenly I ended up in a pit because through some, some things that happened, I, the door shut on me. And now I ended up in a pit. And when I ended up in the pit, I started asking questions and I was angry. God, what are you doing? What's happening? Why is this? And you know what I want to do? I wanted to run from my pit. I almost left that church to go work at another church to maybe get out of the ministry. I was ready to, now, God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? God, why? You see, what I didn't know is that God knew that, that there was an ending. And the ending was, was there were some things involved because at that church, there was a pastor who uh, uh, was a good pastor. In fact, just this week, I was going through files and I ran across a note that he had written me. And in that note, I just saw it this week. I opened it up and he said, Jared, I want you to know that I'm sorry it didn't work out. I wish it would have. You know the circumstances surrounding it that we couldn't pursue you any longer. But I want you to know that I have I've looked at you and I have been honored to see how you have walked through this process with honor and integrity. And he said, I believe that God has a great thing over you. And I began to read that. And my mind was reminded of all the things that God had done. And what I didn't know at the time when I was in my pit was that that man would end up having a, a couple get saved in his church. And when they got saved in his church, they would be on his board and he would talk to them about what an honorable man I was. And then that couple later on, they would end up going to a church in San Diego for several years who happened to that pastor was related to Pastor Barnett and he began to talk about how honorable I was and higher vision was. What I didn't know is that, that the whole time I was in a pit that God had a plan. Because you see, had I gone to Phoenix, higher vision would never be here. But God knew not only would higher vision be here, but he knew that 13 and a half years into our church existence, God was going to call us to plant a church in Cara, campus in Canyon Country. In order to, campus, uh, to have a campus in Canyon Country, we couldn't just have people go there. We needed resources to do it. In fact, sometimes you have a vision, but you don't have the provision for it yet. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I got up and shared last week how God had put it on our heart to launch a, a campus in Canyon Country. What I didn't tell you is that we didn't have the money or even the seed money to start buying the equipment we need for the campus in Canyon Country. But God sees from the end to the beginning. And when I was in my pit, what I didn't know is that he was positioning this couple with Tommy Barnett, with Jurgen. And that couple would eventually move to the Santa Clarita Valley and join Higher Vision Church because of the pastors who said, that's the church you need to go to if you live there. And what I didn't know is that the whole time God was setting up for me to get a phone call this week that said, hey, we want to give you $100,000 for Canyon Country Campus.
Because even when we're in the pit, God has a plan. Come on, somebody say amen. Maybe you and I are missing our visitation because we've forgotten that he sees from the end to the beginning and we've started questioning his plan. Y'all with me? Amen. Here's the second thing. We miss his visitation with our complaining. So you're like, man, pastor, you're throwing fastballs this morning. Throwing the heat. Talking about questions. Now you're talking about complaining. Let me read to you what happens. As he rode on the donkey along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. All of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along. Blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, here's where they start complaining. Teacher, you need to tell them. Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they keep quiet, he says, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. How many know that we all complain? Come on, how many say, hey, I complain sometimes. Some of you are complaining in your heart because I asked you to raise your hand right now. (laughs) He always asks us to do that. Come on, we all do. I complain, I'll tell you when, when people drive slow in front of me. We complain when our coffee has not been made right through Starbucks. Why didn't they get my order correct? We all complain. What I find interesting is there are two types of people here that I think Jesus is addressing in this passage. First, it's the the leaders. It was the religious leaders of the day. And here's what they said. Tell Jesus, tell them, rebuke them, and tell them to be quiet. Now, we focus on the the prospect of, hey, that we need to be passionate, we need to be loud. And if we're not passionate and loud, that the rocks will cry out. That's good and everything. But we miss the other part, and that's simply this. We forget what they were saying. They were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And part of the, the Greek interpretation of that is they were saying, Hosanna, save us now. What that means is, is that they were saying, basically, the leaders got nervous because they said, Jesus, this is making us real uncomfortable because you see, we have a comfortable place of recognition with the Roman government. The Roman government oversees us and we now are in authority. We have money because we've worked out a deal with them. We'll keep everybody in check, no revolution, and they'll take care of us because we're taking care of the the government and stability and equality. But now these people are calling for revolution, save now, because they thought that Jesus was going to come and bring a revolution and they were going to overthrow the Roman empire. And they said, here's the problem. Here's why they complain. Jesus, you're making this situation uncomfortable for me. I'm going to tell you, sometimes you and I can be just like those leaders. Oh God, you, you want me to be boldly generous and tithe? It's making my budget a little bit uncomfortable. Wait, wait, you want me to forgive somebody? I'm, I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable with that. And the minute that we're called to do something that makes us uncomfortable, our first response is, why is there no almond milk in my coffee? I'm lactose intolerant. Our complaining, could it be, you realize that the Pharisees never experienced his visitation because all they could find was a heart to complain. You know, the other people that he was addressing, he was addressing the people, not just the leaders. And here's what the people were saying. The people were saying, deliver us now. 
But how many know that Jesus knew that these people were fickle? Have you ever met people that are just fickle? Fickle is a pickle. I don't even know why I said that, but I, every time I said the word fickle, I thought of pickle, so I decided to throw it in the same sentence. They're fickle. People are fickle. Because here's what he knew that they would say. Right now they would say, yes, we love your miracles that you do. Yes, come, be our king today. And he knew that three days later they would say, no, give us Barabbas. And here's why. Because they were happy to receive the Savior on their terms. If you'll set us free from Rome, then I'll invite you in. But if you want to set me free from my sin, I kind of like my sin. If you want me to walk in obedience, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, we, can I just say something? God is not a product. But we live in a world, come on, it's the I world. Come on, if you have an iPhone, raise it up. If you got an iPad, come on, let me see your hand. Come on, if you listen to iTunes, if you read your iBooks, and so we, it must be that we need an I God. Because I need a Savior on my terms. And the minute that it's not about what I need, the minute that it's not about saving me from Rome, what do we do? I want Barabbas! And what ends up happening is we end up missing. How how many of us are complaining and through our complaining because of our discomfort and uncomfort are missing God's visitation? We miss his visitation with our questions and we miss his visitation with our complaining. Come on, y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. So let's go to the last two parts and let's learn a couple principles now because we've learned a couple reasons why we miss this visitation. And let's look at Jesus' heart in the middle of all of it. I want to give you point number three, and that is Jesus cares when we miss his visitation. Jesus cares. He doesn't want you to miss his visitation in your family. He doesn't want you to miss his visitation this Easter. Watch what it says. It says in Luke 19, but as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he began to what? Began to weep. He cares. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you. They will crush you and your children with you. Your enemies will, will not leave a single stone in place because you didn't recognize when God visited you. So we see this sorrow and the sadness that comes. And then you keep reading and it moves from sadness to anger. Then Jesus, what did he do? He entered the temple. And he began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. And he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. You know, when, when people care, there are two emotions that often come. Compassion and anger. Those are the extreme emotions that are connected to care, right? And in this one, we see, first of all, let's just start with the second part, which is we see that he was angry, he was mad. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have things that make you angry? Can, can I tell you one of the things that make me angry? Is when I'm sitting at a line at a light, and it's red, and I'm about four cars back, and then it turns green, but nobody moves. 
because the car in front, probably not doing CPR on someone in the back seat, that makes me mad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you know that it's justified in heaven to use your hone at that moment. I want you to know. It's called holy righteousness. Holy indignation. My wife's got that gift of holy indignation. You know something else that makes me mad? Is when I'm in a car, driving the car, and the people who are in the car with me, not driving the car, tell me how to drive the car. Come on, do I have anybody that's feeling my pain today? Come on, give me an amen. Come on, somebody testify. I'm getting angry right now. You know, you want to see my wife get mad? You want to see what makes her angry? Talk about or mess with one of our kids. <laughs> Mama bear comes out. It's interesting because Jesus, when he sees they've missed this visitation, one of his responses is anger. And why? Can I tell you why? Because when he walked into the temple, he saw people selling sacrifices for people to offer to God. Now, some of you would say, well, What's wrong with that? That's like a great idea. I mean, what if I was late from work and I got caught in traffic and I didn't have time to go by my house and get a lamb? <laughs> and then I get to church, I forgot the lamb. <laughs> and you walk into church and somebody's out there, lambs for sale. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. But here was the problem. The problem was is that God said when you bring your sacrifice, first of all, you're supposed to bring it, but... We don't go there. But when you offer your sacrifice, he says, offer a lamb that is without blemish. And what was happening is these people were selling lambs that were blemished because they were cheaper and easier to get. They were selling lambs that were blemished for exorbitant prices. And basically, people were going through the process of trying to have an encounter, a visitation with God, but not really having one because they were bringing improper sacrifices to God. So in other words, he was angry because people were hindering others from having a visitation. I wonder how God would feel about you and I if he came into the temple and grabbed our phone and looked at our Facebook posts. Would they cause people to turn towards Jesus or maybe turn away from him? In other words, have we allowed our working it out to hinder our witnessing it out? Have we allowed our complaining and our questions and, and our process? Well, you just got to vent. Somebody's got to get it out. Maybe God doesn't want you to, to, to take the moment to let everybody know. Maybe you can have the people that are around you that care about you. Yes, process it with them. Yes, share it with God. But you see, God doesn't want you to work it out so that you can't witness it out anymore. And what God was angry about is, listen, your actions are hindering people from a visitation, not helping people to have a visitation. You see, I'm praying that in this season that we're not the people that turn people away. We draw people in. Jesus was angry because he cares. He cares about you and he cares about those who have been turned away. 
Not only was he angry, but, but the other thing is he was sad. The Bible says he began to weep. And as I thought about it, it's amazing to me is that he, he wept, and here's why. He tells us why. He says, because something is coming. Because you've complained, because you've questioned, because of all of this stuff in your life, because you've run from my plan, here's the thing. Pain is awaiting you because you didn't make room for me. And what happened, according to his prophecy that he shares right here, and we know it historically, 40 years after the day Jesus died, 40 years later in the year 70 AD, Titus came into Jerusalem with an armory of, of Roman soldiers. They besieged the city for 143 days. At the end of the 143 days, they attacked the city. They broke through the walls. And you know what happened? Josephus, the historian, said blood flowed through the gates of the city. Over 600,000 Jewish people died during that siege. And not only that, the temple was burned to the ground. And watch what happens. It burned to the ground. And in the temple was all this ornate, beautiful gold that was made to create the temple. So what happened is in the fire, all of the gold, it melted and it went down into all of the walls and into all of the floors between the stones. So literally, people started coming years later and scavenging and tearing every stone apart. Not one stone was left upon another because everybody was trying to get the gold that was down between the stones. Jesus wept. Why? Because he knew of the pain that would come when we don't make room for him and his visitation. As a pastor, sometimes... My heart breaks because someone will come to me for advice and counsel, but when they get there within five minutes, I already know that we're wasting our time because they haven't come for advice because they've already made up their mind what they're going to do. And when they walk out, many times my heart drops because I know the pain that is awaiting them because they choose not to make room for his visitation. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you were so moved with compassion and sadness when you thought about your neighbor that's going through their divorce, when you thought about that coworker that's experiencing the trial that they're in, when you thought about that person that doesn't know Jesus, that you began to weep? Jesus cares. Can I stop and tell you something? He doesn't just care about the lost. He cares about you. And he knows the pain that you're going through. He knows that it doesn't feel good in the pit. He knows that it's horrible to have you falsely accused and thrown into prison like Joseph. He knows the pain. Why? Because the Bible said that he came to this world and he died on a cross and he took all of our infirmities, all of our sin, all of our shame upon him. He understands where you are. And I want you to know Jesus cares. And he doesn't want you to miss his visitation. I want to give you the last thought as we wrap this up, and it's simply this. So what do we do? We welcome his visitation with worship. We welcome his visitation with worship. I want you to see this because this is powerful. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on out. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. Not only that, they spread garments on top of the, the donkey that he was riding on. There's a whole message in there about spreading our garments before the Lord. And, and, and we won't go into that today, but watch what happens. They also, they, 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 they spread the garments on the road ahead of him, 
And all of his followers began to shout and sing. They began to worship as they walked along. And they began to declare, Hosanna. Another translation says it, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here it says, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They began to worship. But watch what Jesus says. The people tell them, that you're not supposed to praise like that. You're not supposed to worship like that. You need to calm down. You get a little bit fanatical. And then what does he say? He says, but listen, you don't understand. During a visitation, a visitation is connected to worship. If they didn't worship, rocks would worship. Because it's a, it's a principle, it's a law. Worship brings my presence. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 22, verse 3, that he inhabits to sit down the praises of his people. That's why the Bible says that, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's why the Bible says when, when, the, when you've got a, a, a weariness, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Because worship welcomes his visitation. See, the big point in this whole message, I'm going to put a bow on this thing. The big point in this message is that I believe that just like in this story, the voices that tried to stop their worship and instead get them to complain and to question, that that same spirit is still alive and well today and the enemy is trying to get you to quit worshiping and start questioning and start complaining because he wants you to miss out on God's visitation for you. So what God is saying through Palm Sunday is, listen, when you go through a trial, Palm Sunday, when you go through a challenge, instead of sitting back and saying, God, where are you? Why am I in this pit? Instead, suddenly you say, Lord, I'm going to count it all joy when I go through trials and temptations. You know why? Because you're the alpha and the omega. You see the end to the beginning. So Lord, if I'm in a pit, it must mean that I'm on my way to the palace because your thoughts for me are good. Your thoughts for me are a hope. Your thoughts for me are a future. So instead of whining, instead of complaining, Instead of running, I'm going to grab my hands. I'm going to grab the palm branches. And I'm going to say, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come into my house. Come into my home. Whether things are perfect or not, I worship you. Because you have a plan. You're on the throne. This weekend is a weekend to worship. Maybe you've been caught in the complaining. Maybe you've been caught in the questions. What God's saying is, I want to visit you. Here's how you do it. Get your eyes off you and get your eyes on me. And I will come. I will come. Be lifted up, you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. With reference to worship. And the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty in battle is He. I welcome your invitation. Why don't you just close your eyes right now?